The following audio is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. Let's read today in, uh, in our series, continuing our series in the book of Philippians, reading in chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Not that I have already attained, obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Well, if you've been following along with us in our series through the book of Philippians, we've been been in now for several weeks, you'll know something about the temperament of the Apostle Paul. He's the one writing this letter to his friends, his Christians uh, at the church in Philippi. He has this intensity in his faith, an intensity to his faith. I mean, he is so serious about his faith. And, and he says, even if, even if I'm being tortured or even if death is a threat, he says, I'm pushing on towards Christ. And last week, we saw that Paul looked at all of his accomplishments in life, his successes, his schooling, all of his investments, he says, they are worthless compared to knowing Jesus. That is my only aim, my singular aim, is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Everything else is worthless. Knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection is better than anything. Paul is intense in his faith. And he even says that he's not perfect, that he's still learning and still growing. He says, I've yet to attain this but I'm pushing forward, I'm striving forward. Everything in my life, I'm making it about knowing Christ. There's almost this abnormal, or abnormality to his intensity. If we met someone like this, like Paul, I'm sure that if it were about Christian faith or if it were about uh, something else, his job or sports or anything else, we would, we would look at that intensity and say, why are you so intense? Why so serious. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Why, why are you so uptight about this? Surely there are other things in life that are important. Why do you have to say, use such harsh words like, everything is a loss, everything is meaningless, everything is unimportant, and Christ and the gospel and knowing Him is my singular aim. And He tells us, He tells us why He has such intensity in his faith. And it gives us a great encouragement this morning and a great focus. Are you ready for it? Here's what he says in verse 12. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I'll tell you what this means. It means that this, that both the cause of the Christian life and the result of the Christian life are the same activity. A grasping a pressing on, a holding on to. What is the cause of the Christian life? That God has grasped on to me. What is the result of the Christian life? That I will grasp on to Him. Both the cause and the result are the same exact thing. 
Paul is desiring that he would have in his life the same activity that was brought onto him by the grace of God. The dynamic of the Christian life is that we grasp onto God with such intensity because God has grasped on us with such intensity. And this morning I want to look at just these two things. The result of the Christian life and the cause of the Christian life. First, let's look at the cause of the Christian life. This grasping, this grasping on us from God. You know, there's something that I'm really trying hard to grow in as a father these days. And that is, I'm trying not to tell my kids that I love them only when we're having a good time together. You know, when we're wrestling in the living room and I look over my kids and I say, I love you guys. Or we're building a fort outside and I'm, I'm enjoying this moment so much, I say, I love you guys so much. When they come up on the couch when I'm sitting there, unexpected, and they just snuggle up to my side, and I look down and I say, I love you guys so much. I kiss them. And then I realize this pattern that I'm only telling them that I love them when I'm enjoying them, when they're doing something that makes me feel good, makes me feel proud of who they are. And I've realized that I've got to tell them that I love them when they're disobeying me when they are being disciplined, when they are being annoying. There, I said it. Because even though there are great times to tell them I love them, those are never the reason for my love. And I've had to answer this question. It's a tough question to ask and to answer, even if it's with a child or with a spouse or somebody else. Why do you love me? I look down at my son, I say, I love you, son. And he says, why? He even, because he just asks that question for everything, not because he's being deep and profound, he just says, why? And I have to think about this, the right answer. If I say, because you are a good boy, then he misses out on what love really is. And I say, because you are my son, and I am your dad, and I love you. And the love of God is not contingent on what we do for him. God loves us because we are his, and he is ours. Paul recalls this as he talks about this grasping that God took hold of him because of a love that God had for him. Paul thinks about his own conversion story, how he became a Christian in Galatians chapter 1. He says, For you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church violently. I tried to destroy it. I killed people. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. And so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I may preach him among the Gentiles. Paul is looking at his life and he's saying, you know who I am. You know who I have been. You know that I am a horrible person, a horrible sinner. And I've come to realize that God's grace is so intense that even before I was born, he was grasping hold of me. His love, not contingent on any good I can do for him. Jesus tells us in John 6, no one can come to the Father unless, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
and I will raise him up on the last day. When God was talking to Moses and telling Moses about the kindness that he would give to his people in Israel and rescuing them from slavery, he says, I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am, your, I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. This is the promise that was made to Abraham in the Old Testament. He says, I will be your God, and you will be my people. This is the story of the Bible, the way that God works. What we don't see in the Bible is we don't see people pursuing God, running towards God, pleading with God, begging for God's kindness, and God saying, okay, fine, you can have it. But we see God chasing after sinners, running after people who don't deserve it, pursuing people, grabbing people, changing their life. This is a Christian. What is a Christian? A Christian is the object of God's gracious activity. Paul describes it another way in Ephesians 1. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which we have been blessed in the Beloved. This intense grace that Paul has come to know, it requires intense words and phrases and way to describe it. There's an intensity to how Paul is talking about the grace of God, and he uses intense words that sometimes we would want to avoid. Look at some of these intense words. Predestined. Chosen before the foundations of the world. These are intense words used to describe an intense grace. And we don't need to be, we don't need to shy away from these kinds of intensity because the Bible talks about it in this way. Paul's intensity. Paul, why are you so intense? Because the grace of God has been so recklessly intense towards me. I was an intense sinner. I was killing the Christians but God's grace was more intense. It took hold of me, it grasped onto me, it pressed into me and changed my life. It is to the little shepherd boy, David, that God looked on and said, you're not like anybody else I would choose, any other king. You're so unassuming, you're so small, but I choose you. It's like to the prostitute Rahab that God said, you're mine. It is like to the unqualified and Frankly, frankly, embarrassing Moses that God said, you are mine. It is to the betrayer, Peter, that Jesus said, you are mine. It's to Paul, the murderer, that God said, you are mine. You're mine. You belong to me. I have taken hold of you. The Bible is about God's grace grasping unworthy people and making them whole for the glory and praise of an intensely gracious God. And any ounce of credit for our redemption belongs to Jesus. And look at what he says. And I'm so glad that Paul says this in this passage as he's talking about pursuing God. He says, I'm still struggling at this. I am not there yet. I'm not there where I want to be. At this place of of perfection. 
this place of free from struggle and free from sin. It's so helpful that Paul says, I'm not perfect. I struggle with sin. I need to grow in some areas. I need God's grace to be intense in my life today just as much as it was at my conversion. I must press on towards him like the grace of God that presses on towards me. Paul says, I grasp because I have been grasped. I take hold of Christ because he has taken hold of me. That's why I do what I do. That's why I work so hard at this. That's why I pursue him with such intensity. The Christian life is this, these two things, the result of the Christian life and the working out, the, 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 uh, the cause of the Christian life. It's the same activity. God has been gracious to us, pursuing us. And so let's look at the second one, the result of the Christian life. When we realize, as Paul has come to realize, and as many Christians before us who have come to realize the intensity of God's activity, we will have an intensity towards God. God chose Paul, as he chooses all believers, to make us like Jesus, to conform into his image, to be like Christ. The Christian life is this lifelong pursuit of Christ-likeness. Let's read verse 13 and 14 again to remind ourselves of this. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Think about these verses as it relates to to your struggle, to your temptation, to your sin, to wherever you are in your life. First, you have this awareness to know where you struggle like Paul did. Paul says, I know that I'm not where I want to be. I know that I have not made this my own as I desire to make it my own. I know that I don't know Jesus the way that he knows me with that kind of intensity, with that kind of knowledge and wisdom. But I want to know him, but I'm not there yet. To be able to acknowledge that, to know that, it's a good place to be as we desire to grow in our relationship with God. And second, do you, do you realize that there's a wrong way to struggle and a right way to struggle? Look at the wrong way of how to struggle that we often We often use this way. When we find temptation, we find struggle, we find sin in our life, we control that sin, we manage that sin, we look at that sin and say, I've got to fix this. And now Paul gives us a second way of how to grow, how to pursue Christ. We press headlong into Jesus. We press into Him, we focus on Him and run towards Him and bring our cares and our burdens towards Him. There are some who believe that the Christian life is a, is a passive exercise, that it's a, a, a let go and let God, that is just enjoy his work of redemption for you, forgiveness of sins. He's taken hold of you, so just let him take care of it. Just sit back and let your life grow, and God will take care of all of those things. But if we read our Bible, we will see that, that the Christian life has an incredibly intensity, incredible intensity to it. An intensity focused on one thing, Paul says. He says, one thing I do. I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. Paul made a break with everything in his past, both good and bad. All of his religious activities, all of his religious achievements, he make a, made a break for that, and from that, and he said, all these are a loss. All of his missed opportunities, the things he didn't do that he should have done, he said, that's all in the past. 
All of his shameful sins, he says, that is behind me. I am pressing in to Christ. Christians can't live on past victories, nor can we be debilitated by past sins. A Christian is a person whose entire life has been reoriented towards a single point and pushing towards that point with all intensity, and that's Christ. Think of what Paul is encouraging us to do with our faith. It's like this. It's like, it's like when someone asks you for a paper towel and they're across the table and you don't want to get up because you're lazy. Paul is telling us, how do you get, how do you get that paper towel across the table? I mean, you try to just take the paper towel and throw it. It's, just, it's actually going to come backwards, right? But what do you do? You wad it up, you get it in a ball, and you throw it forward. Like you would a paper towel, like you would a, t- a towel, a hand towel, or anything like that. This is what Paul is describing. He's talking about this focus, this energy, this wadding it up, this concentration, getting it tight, and then pushing it forward with energy towards a point that is Christ. There are two things that characterize this kind of pressing on towards Christ. Energy and focus. Energy and focus are very different. Together, they are very effective, but apart, they can be destructive, they can be misleading, they can be confusing, they can be dangerous. Think about this. Imagine energy without focus. This is what happens when somebody shoots a basket for the wrong team. I'm proud of you. This is what you say to your kids, right? I'm proud of you. You did a good job. You you worked really hard, but you just won for the other team, okay? A lot of energy, a lot of motivation, a lot of intensity, no focus. We need to have both. And Paul is talking about this intensity, this focus, and this energy. But when a person has energy and focus, do you know what that looks like? It looks like pairing a a magnifying glass with the sun on an ant. It is taking this energy and taking this focus, and what comes out is power. To destroy the ant, of course. (laughs) But think about this in your walk with God. This energy and focus, this pressing on. And that's what Paul says, I press on. And he uses this phrase a few times in this, in this passage, press on. It's a Greek preposition that its root meaning means down, to press down. Paul is literally telling us, bear down. Okay? There is a biblical apologetic that the U of A is a morally superior university I mean, the sun devils, they're making it too easy. The Bible tells us to bear down. In the midst of opposition, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of sorrow, grief, or even in the midst of victory, don't get distracted. Focus. Pursue Christ. Get in on that one thing, the only thing, That is, any credit to our justification with God is Christ and the power of the resurrection. Paul says, yes, I am intense because God has been intense with me. Do you see what this means? Grasping onto the one who has grasped onto us. Paul puts it plainly, to know him. 
not just information about him, but to gather up everything in my life and bring it under one authority, one lordship, one joy of the one who has grabbed onto me. That is what I'm straining forward towards. Churches are full of spiritual cripples. People burdened by their past sins can't get over that burden, can't get over that shame and guilt. And churches are also full of people of another kind that relive their past victories, their past successes, their past uh, conversion, their decision to trust in Jesus. And they rely on that good work to catapult them into the future. Both ways are unbiblical ways in the present of pursuing Christ. Both ways are unbiblical when it comes to thinking about our relationship with Jesus. Paul says, I forget about the past, both good and bad. We need people soaking in the grace of God in the church. We need people straining forward with all energy and focus to know Jesus, to press on, to bear down to gather up everything in their life and focus it on the goal of knowing Christ. How does my opportunity in my work, how can that be bunched in with with what we're talking about, with the gospel? How can that be aimed towards knowing Christ? How can my marriage, my parenting, my dreams, pursuits, hopes, and fears all be brought together and say, how can I know Jesus more in this moment? in this work, in this fear. And then we be intense about it. The goal of the Christian life is is not perfection. I hope you see that. That Paul is actually saying the opposite. He's saying, guys, I'm not there. I am not perfect. Because my goal is not perfect. My goal is not to be perfect. My goal is Jesus. To know him. I became a Christian when I was 19 years old. And then I tell people, when people ask, they ask about my story, I say, I was raised in a Christian home. There was never a time in my life where I did not know the name Jesus. Never. Never. What a privilege. What a blessing. And there's some confusion about that. They try to connect the dots and they become a little confused. Well, what do you mean? You were raised in a Christian home. Your parents were Christian. You went to church every week and it took you 19 years to become a Christian. What do you mean by that? That's confusing. How do the two and two go together? How is this possible? It's possible because of what we've learned about Paul in Philippians and the rest of Scripture. That no one can make themselves a Christian. No one is born into being a Christian. And in the moment that I came to know Jesus when I was 19 years old, in the moment of being grasped by His love, learning more about Him and His grace, I learned more about Jesus that moment than I did the 19 years prior combined. In that moment, the intensity of my sin was brought to my awareness. And the intensity of God's grace and love, and favor, in spite of all that I had done, was brought to knowledge like I had never seen before. And in that moment, I realized that God was pursuing me, 
that he was grasping onto me. And the only thing that mattered was grasping onto him. And 19 years of knowing him was not enough to bind me in friendship with him. Jesus says that eternal life is knowing God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is, this is what Jesus tells us in the scriptures. He says, this is what eternal life is. Maybe, maybe you're hearing this today, and maybe you're here today, and, and this is a little confusing because you have been a Christian for a while. But there's been no pressing There's been no grasping. There's been no holding on to. There's no intensity in your life right now. And the Bible is clear about one thing, if it's clear about anything, that no one stumbles into heaven. No one stumbles into salvation. But they are pulled in, that they are grabbed in by the grace of God. They are resurrected from the dead. They are taken hold of by the intense, gracious love of God. And then in that time of awareness, there's this brokenness of sin, and there's this volitional embrace of Jesus. And we say, yes, I want that. If he could grab me like that, then I will grab onto him and make him my life and make him my pursuit. And that is our conversion. What is getting into the way of you knowing Christ like that? whether you're a Christian today or have been for a long time and you've been lacking this intensity, whether you're not a Christian this morning, but you're hearing these words, what is getting in the way of you pursuing Jesus with this kind of intensity? You know, if you are a Christian, you've had some measure of this, acknowledging this. You've had some taste in it, of this. What is holding you down? What's holding you back? Knowing Jesus is not only the point of life, it is life. It is our life. The way you know, the way you know that you truly know God, so you might be thinking, gosh, I never had this dramatic experience. I never had this moment where life, the universe cracked in half and I saw the light. Maybe you were raised in a Christian home and it's been a, a steady progress for you and I want to encourage you. This doesn't mean that you don't know God, but you know how you know God. You want to know him more. You want more. Like, like when you, you know how you, know, you know how you like sugar? You want more of it because you've tasted it before and you say, I, next opportunity I get, I want to do that again. You know how you know that God is working in your heart, that he has changed your heart, that he's working in your mind, that he has been graciously pressing into you, that he has been intense in your life? that you want him more than you do today. That you, like Paul, are feeling this way, and you say, I'm not there, but I want to be. I want to know him. I desire to be. That's because the power of the Holy Spirit has been in your life and working in your life and making you alive. Don't be discouraged. If God is is present in your life, if he has made himself known to you, he loves you. He has been recklessly pursuing you. He has been telling you to make him your pursuit and your grasping. If you desire to know him, he's already working in you. He's already taken hold of your mind and your heart. And he promises to complete it. 
This is what Paul says. He says, if you're not there, if you don't think this way, I'm not worried about that because God will teach you. God will reveal it to you. If you desire to know him more, he's working in you. And prior, in this, in this book, he says, for whatever God has started, whatever he has begun, he will complete the work that he's begun in you because the gospel has grabbed onto you and God will complete everything he finishes. And if you don't have this intensity, God will provide these opportunities, these mercies every day, even this moment right now today. He's providing this wisdom from his word to encourage us to pursue him, to run after him, to bind up everything in our life, every thought, every dream, every passion, everything, every, every way we think about everything in our life, and we say, I'm going to push it towards you. Let's pray for that. For more audio and information, please visit holycrosstucson.com.